Man, I want to thank you for being here. Welcome to Outward Church, the first service. Actually, it's the second service of the new year, but we're, we're excited that you're here and that you, that you came out. We've had some weird uh, services lately because, uh, you know, our holidays ended up on, uh, um, I'm sorry, our service day, Sunday, ended up being a holiday, and so it was uh, a little different for us, and then we had a, a snow day that we canceled, and so we're, we're just excited that you're here. We're excited, like if, if you made a resolution and you said, you know, I, I want to try this God thing out, like we're, we're pumped that you're here. We're excited that you're here. We think that's a, a great start to what's going on. What happens next is what's important. What happens next is what, is what really matters, is the posture of your heart towards saying, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be in relationship with him. So what we do uh, at Outward Church is normally like, you know, in the first part of, uh, of January is that we talk about what God has been doing and where we want to go from here. And that's what I want to jump into uh, today is to really tell you about what Outward Church is all about and where we see God taking us. And so this week and next week, uh, we'll be talking about what has happened and then where we see God uh, directing us in all of that. And so uh, today, we're talking about loving Jesus. So we have a, a two-part kind of short vision, love Jesus, live outward. And so the, the first thing that we want to communicate is what it means to be a Christian, and that is to love Jesus. It means uh, to love Jesus. It doesn't mean just doing good works. It doesn't mean just living outward. It means that the posture of your heart, your life, has got to be connected with who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. And so that's what we want to get across uh, to us uh, today. And so uh, let me just tell you a little bit about our our church. Uh, Ten years ago, I was on staff at, at a local church here in town, and I felt like God was calling me to start something new. I felt like God was saying, Matt, it, it is time to do something new. And I felt like, God, you have got the wrong person. I just, I felt like I was the wrong person. In fact, I invited other people to come along because I thought, I'll just kind of get this thing started and then they can take over. And so I, I, I had this vision and I was kind of miserable in the midst of it. And I was just going, God, I feel like you're calling me to this. And I, I'm not sure where, where you're leading me in all of this. But what God was calling me to do, I believe today, is that God was calling me to, uh, to be his servant, along with all of our volunteers and staff, our elders, who are uh, assistant pastors, if you will, here, and we are all under Jesus. And what God is calling us to do is to hold, hold firmly to the scriptures, to hold firmly to what God has spoken already, but to bring that message to a new generation to bring it to a new generation. If you have looked back uh, over the years, if you know anything about church, if you've been to church at least maybe once or twice or at some point in your life, one of the things that you'll recognize is that there is an older generation at many of our churches. Not all churches, but there's an older generation at at churches. And so uh, that was uh, a great thing. There's great churches out there that have been speaking the language of a generation that's been going on uh, for, for quite some time. And so many churches were established in that era, but what I saw in that time and what I believe God gave me a vision for is a a new church that holds to the same message that God is calling us into. 
And so what took place next was we just kind of rented a theater and we said, uh, okay, let's just rent this theater and let's just see if people will come out. And it was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done in, in the whole time that I've uh, planted a church. I'm sure there, there's some things that rivaled that, but that was one of, the, one of the dumber things that I had done is that I had taken on a $60,000 lease uh, for a, a building and we just had service. And a ton of people came out and many of you were there. Many of you were there. People came out, and it was passionate, and it was incredible, and no one had seen something like this in Salem before, at least not in a long time. And so we had this incredible time, and it, for the last 10 years, we've been trying to figure out, like, how do we do church together? And so God has been so incredibly gracious to us. God has been so good to us. He's done so many incredible things in our midst, and uh, this year has been no different. About a year ago, in fact, a little bit before a year ago, uh, me and the elders and, and different people on the staff and, and so forth uh, began to, to think through, okay, uh, let's clarify the vision that, that God has given us. Let's clarify that vision. Let's, let's really uh, hone in on what has God called us to. And so we wrote down some statements. We wrote down some things that we, that we want to see take place in our church, and I just want to read those to you. Our vision is, this, it's not just uh, this phrase, but we want to talk about what does it look like to be a part of Outward Church? What are these people doing? What are we doing as a family in our city? How are we going to say to our culture, no, Christianity is not what our culture tells you, that it's this bigoted lifestyle that just looks down on everybody else and is judgmental and, and wants nothing to do with so-called sinners. But no, this is a new group of people who really believe the Bible. And when we look at our city, we say, listen, we are sinners. We are people who have been saved by grace, not because of something that we've done, but because of what, but because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so what we have for our city is we have the healing that our city needs. And so our vision, as we stated, and I, and I think I even read this last year, says our vision is this. We envision a church where many people are regularly repenting of sin, confessing Jesus as Lord, and being baptized today we're having baptisms. We're having four people uh, that are going to be baptized. I told them before the service I wasn't going to call them up front and, and ask them any questions. I actually changed my mind on that. I'm actually going to do that. So if somebody next to you begins shaking and sweating profusely, you will know why. Okay, so we're, we're actually doing baptisms today. I want to tell you a little bit, uh, a little bit about that um, a little bit later in the service. Um, non-believers, nominal believers, and nuns, people, not, not nuns with the, you know, the, the hats and the, the, the flowing robes and stuff, but people who say, I'm nothing, I'm not, I, I'm not spiritual, I'm, I'm just kind of a person, or I am spiritual, but I don't have a religion. So we're talking about like people who don't want anything to do with Jesus. We, we want to talk about people that have just been going to church, and all they've ever done is just go to church and go to church and go to church. It's never really penetrated their hearts, never caused them to be alive. We want those kinds of people, and we want people who have no affiliation to feel welcome in our gatherings and in our homes. I want to tell you, I believe that that's happening. I believe that that's happening in our, in our church today. I hear stories of this. 
It's, it's, it's incredible. We are known for passionate worship. Our gatherings are known for excellent quality, loud singing, raised hands, and unbridled enthusiasm for God. I think somebody else put that word unbridled in there. I mean, it just sounds a little bit crazy to me, but, but what we want to talk about is we want to say, our God is worthy of worship. Our God is worthy of us, of men raising holy hands to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to say, you are the greatest thing that ever was, and I am not. We are known for our generosity. Our people have a reputation for regularly and sacrificially giving of their time and resources. We've seen this take place. We've seen this happen. We have seen some incredible things happen when it comes to finances. I'll tell you a little bit more about that and, and resources and all kinds of stuff. We're known in the community for having adopted several area schools that are in desperate need of outside help. We mentor kids, meet needs, clean school grounds, and provide for school-based functions. We do this, especially for Richmond. We want more schools. We want more schools. So we've, been, we've got a foot in the door at Highland, a foot in the door at Bush Elementary. We're excited about those opportunities. We're constantly thinking of ways to apply the gospel to ourselves, our families, our businesses, and our community. So it's not bringing the word and beating someone over the head and saying, you're a sinner. No, it's saying this, like, no, I need Jesus. I need the gospel. I need what God has for me through Jesus going to the cross. I need him every day. I need thee every hour. In my life, I need to remember what Jesus has done for me. We are known for serving our city and are called upon often to meet needs in a variety of contexts that takes place. Stories of God's faithfulness are regularly being shared and celebrated. Our people are always looking for opportunities to help their neighbor, neighbors. We are known for fighting injustice against all people. Our people feel confident that Outward is a safe place to struggle through addictions, work through marital problems, and get help with financial and parenting challenges. And then lastly is this, mature disciples are being formed and reproduced throughout the life of our church. I want to tell you, a year ago, I believe God set us on a path that is not necessarily a new path, but it is a, a clearly articulated path. Uh, vision that we want to see take place in our church, and I want to commend you, and I want to tell you that God is using you. God is using you in our city to bring about healing. God is using you. We incredible things are taking place. Let me tell you about some of those incredible things very briefly. Uh, over the last year, here's some things uh, that have happened. We've had about 100 visitors that have come to our church uh, and then on top of that, we've had about 72 of those people go through our, our basic conversation, which is just to talk with them. And I want to tell you what's, what's happened as a result is that we've had more people that have, have stuck around at Outward Church. And so uh, if you are on our mailing list, you received a, an email with a link in there where I talked about how we've grown by about 60 or 70 people. It's hard to tell exactly. But the church is growing. And it's, it's exciting to see that, not because we just have more uh, behinds in the seat, and, and that doesn't, it, it, it doesn't mean that, oh, now we've got some dollars, or yeah, this is going to be fantastic. No, what this means is that more people are hearing the message of Jesus Christ. More people are coming to a place where they're saying, you know, my marriage is on the rocks, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. And we get to bring Jesus into the midst of that and say, no. Jesus is the answer. 
in the midst of your financial troubles, your marital troubles, uh, stuff going on with business. Jesus is that answer. So some incredible things have been happening in that regard. Um, we had the highest ever attended service, which was uh, just this last Easter. We had almost 500 people there. We had our highest ever attended service, just regular service, which was just this last fall. That, I mean, th that was uh, amazing. We had 20 babies born in, uh, in, in Outward over the, over the last year. 20 Man, you guys are being fruitful and multiplying. I mean, you're really obedient. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult to engage in that way, but wow, amazing. We're going to grow that way at least, that's for sure. Uh, we've had a number of new volunteers. We had 64 new volunteers over this last year. Thank you for volunteering your time. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing here. Um, we, we have about 77% of our church is in, uh, are in community groups. That's incredible, people who are in, engaging in community. Uh, we started four new community groups over the last year. Um, giving over the last year has been awesome. Uh, we gave $4,000 uh, to Aaron Nabriha. You'll remember that we had him preach uh, this last year, I cannot remember exactly when that was, but Aaron Nabriha, he planted a church in Charleston. We support him monthly. Uh, we have been supporting Radiant Church in Anchorage, uh, $2,100. Uh, we've given to another church, uh, Rick Reeves Church in Eugene, um, gave about $2,000 to him. We raised $1,000 through an event uh, for our community, uh, through Feed the Need. Um, we're planning on doing that more. We want to raise more money with those types of events. Um, because of your giving, because of your generosity, um, what took place when we, when we got into this building and then did one remodel and then did another one because the space was virtually unusable was that we, uh, we had to take on a small amount of debt. But then that debt ended up dogging us for several years. And, and anyway, we changed some ways that we do things so that we're not using uh, that debt anymore. But we, we, just this last year, I think it was last January, we, we said, okay, we're going to pay $1,000 on this every month until it's done. So we paid $1,000 on it all year. And then in December, we ended up with a surplus. I don't know how often you hear churches talking about, hey, we have a surplus. That's, that's amazing. No, what you hear is uh, <laughs> the budget is short. We live within the means that we have. And so what took place is this, is that we paid off $21,000 in debt this last year by buckling down. I want to tell you, like if you gave this last year, I don't care how much you gave. You gave $5, you gave a dollar. What, it doesn't matter. Like I want to say thank you. Not because, oh, and, and some of you might maybe thinking to yourself, oh, debt, that's real sexy, all right? Thank you for paying off debt. No, you know what this represents? It means this. It means we were able to get into this building. God has been using this building for his glory. We're able to minister to more people because of that. And now with that debt being gone, now we have $1,000 that's freed up every month, and now we can take another step, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second. Um, outreach. Number of families uh, served at THX. THX is when we go give a Thanksgiving meal uh, to people, uh, Christmas trees, some gifts. We're, we're plugged in with the school over at Richmond. That's how we get the families. We got them from Richmond and Highland and, 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 and Bush Elementary. And uh, we served in our community. And on top of that, the school district came behind us and supported us big time. A secular organization, a state organization came and supported us. In addition to that, Sodexo, which manages the cafe 
cafeterias at the church was going to charge us. And then uh, after they saw our video on Facebook of what actually took place at uh, THX, they said, uh, uh, guess what? We're going to wipe that out. You don't owe us anything. That was amazing. We've been able to connect with our community through that. So we served 185 families that represents, and I countered it. I went through the Excel document. People told us how many kids they have and how many people were serving at their homes. It was 1,080 people that you served. Yeah, come on. Towards the end of the day, we had extra meals, and I was actually managing things, and so I didn't get to go out with my family, and so uh, my son, Marshall, it came to the end of the day. He had been like running all over the place, running circles around everybody, and it came to the end of the day, and we were done with all of our families, and so my, my son, Marshall, was just absolutely heartbroken, just like bawling his eyes out. I didn't go, get to go serve a family, and I'm like, but I'm so sorry. Dad got busy or what have you, and so we ended up with some extra meals, and we normally do this, and so... We, uh, I said, listen, let's take these meals and let's just go take them to people. And so we went to an apartment complex over off of um, uh, 25th over there. And we walked in. And you're talking about some difficult, difficult circumstances. Difficult circumstances. We were able to walk in and just hand people a meal who said, I didn't know what I was going to eat today. I didn't have any food. It's, it, guys, you helped do that. You helped do that. You were a part of that. People had food in their stomach. They got to celebrate Thanksgiving. They got to be thankful because we are thankful because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we live out of that generosity. You were a part of that. That was a huge thing. Thank you so much uh, for giving uh, to that. Um, we bought a car uh, for a gal. Uh, one of the gals that we met at um, THX, uh, we, we, she lost her home uh, through eviction, uh, something along those lines. We were able to put her up in a hotel. Uh, some of the money, we raised more money than we need. We were able to use some of that money uh, for that gal. We put her up in a hotel for, uh, it could have been a week, somewhere uh, around there. Um, we have been delivering lunches to Richmond Elementary. Uh, and Not lunches, but uh, weekend food, I should say. And these, some of these kids go home, they don't have food over the weekend, their parents are preoccupied with other things, and so, or they just don't have the means. And I mean, these are, uh, some of these are, are great parents. They just don't have what they need. And so we get to step in and fill the gap. And so we served 300, or I'm sorry, 3,690 meals for the weekend for these kids. 3,000 meals. Like, this is incredible. Like, thank you for your generosity in that. Jesus is doing amazing things in and through you. We are, we're, we are blessed in order to be a blessing in our community, and you have taken part in that. In addition to that, we have a soccer camp that, happens, um, uh, that happened this last summer. We had 81 kids involved in that. We have a soccer club that happens throughout the year. We were dealing with high-risk uh, children who are uh, having behavioral problems in the school. We, involve, uh, we engage ourselves with these kids so there's a ton going on. But what I said in this video that I sent to the church just recently was this, is that um, there is so much going on that we can't take on anymore as a staff. And so even though we're delegating as much as we can, there's some things that have to be led by a staff person. So our elders have been involved in these things. I, like, you can take on like one big role and maybe one other big role. 
I mean, what I'm talking about is, like, you can be the worship pastor, but it's kind of hard to be the executive pastor as well, and then it's kind of hard on top of that to lead a community group, and then it's kind of hard on top of that to be the person who's uh, communicating with Richmond Elementary, but that's what Pastor Ryan does, all of those things. Those are big things. He also does graphics, website, uh, social media, all of those things. Small churches, (laughs) people take on a lot of stuff. We have a lot of things that our elders are doing, and we need to delegate, but we also need to hire staff, and that's exactly what we did. And I want to introduce you uh, to uh, one of the guys uh, that we just hired. And so, Blake, would you, uh, would you come on up here real quick? Would you give Blake a hand? Like, just come on over here. Don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. Yeah, is, is this your first time speaking on, at, at Outward? Yeah. And a microphone. Nice, nice, very cool. So, uh, so Blake was at our soccer camp that we had several years ago. I don't, I don't remember. It must have been five years ago or four years ago, maybe something yeah, like about, that. About four years. Ago. About four years ago. Nice. And so, uh, Blake, I, I remember seeing Blake in a dunk tank with some kids, and these kids were throwing these softballs and, and trying to. I think they were trying to hit you, not the little thing that goes in. I. But what I saw was he had great interaction with these kids. And from that point on, I have been, uh, I was going to use the word lusting, but that sounds really weird. Um, uh, but no, I, we have, I have wanted to bring Blake on for a while. So we've had conversation over the last few years. He was going to go overseas and do all this stuff. And then he repented from that and he decided to be here at Outward Church. And so um, for a long term, and so he's been here and he, you've been a part of a community group and, and so on. And so uh, Blake and I had lunch, uh, was it last week? Uh, two Thursdays ago. Two Thursdays ago. And so Blake and I just started talking, and I realized that, that Blake uh, may be in the market for a, um, a very uh, great underpaying job. And so, I, <laughs> and so I said, man, what a perfect opportunity. And so uh, we got a chance to hang out. Uh, and then we hung out that evening uh, with uh, he and his fiance. He is not single, um, so I'm sure, uh, yeah, that's sad. Uh, got a, a few sad people here. So in any case, uh, so we're, we got a chance to hang out there, and then we hung out on Sunday, had a little interview process, and then on uh, Monday, I think it was, we, we hired Blake to do youth ministry and probably a bunch of other things. And so tell us real quick just about like where you've been, what you've been doing, um, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I grew up in far eastern Oregon, so a yeah. long ways away from here on the Oregon-Idaho border. Um, been involved in children's ministry pretty much my whole life, whether it was a part of it, uh, watching my parents kind of lead through the church, lead the children's ministry there. Um, came to Corbin in 2011. Uh, so graduated from Corbin 2015 through my time. I have a lot of Corbin people here. Um, but yeah, so in my time at Corbin, I was involved in a number of different children's ministries, a lot through Outward, uh, the soccer program Matt talked about, um, a nonprofit that ran an after-school program for middle school students. And then now um, I am uh, currently, for the next week, working as an admissions counselor at Corbin, um, basically working with high school students who want to go to college and trying to help them out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you came to faith at what, what age? Um, really young age. Grew up in the, grew up in the church, um, raised in a Christian home. But really, uh, I didn't make my faith my own until probably my, between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Um, a big part of that was uh, a combination of uh, Outward and Corbin. Um, it was really, for me, uh, the first time being around people my own age that 
really follow Jesus like they said they were going to. And so that was a really big shift for me. And so being a part of community at Corbin, being a part of community outward was really helpful in that area. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, what are you excited about, about being, being at outward? I know I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question. <laughs> like what, what excites you about this job and, and what, what seems um, cool a to lot. you? I know uh, I asked you to send me a list of questions yesterday <laughs> and this wasn't on it. No, I'm, I'm just really excited about being a part of outward. I mean, since coming here, uh, quite a few years ago, I've been really impressed with the comfortability of Outward and their ability to reach people that I think a lot of churches um, can't or don't, and, and not by any fault of theirs, but um, I'm just really uh, just excited to be a part of what's happening here. I've seen a lot of growth in Outward in size and in just ability to reach into the community, and I just really am excited to be a part of that. That's awesome. Thanks, Blake. Yeah. We're, we're excited to have you on board. Can we give him a hand? It's super exciting because Blake is being hired from within to be a part of us, uh, to be a part of the, the staff, and so excited to have him here. Um, I want to talk to you just about uh, next steps of, of what God has for us, and so if you turn with me to Mark chapter 10, I have 15 minutes to uh, wrap up this, this sermon it will run long. I'll just tell you that now. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. All right, all right. If you've been here for any amount of time. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus is, is hanging out, and here's, here's what it says. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So stop right there. So here's a guy. He comes up, and he kneels before Jesus. Why is this important? It's, it's important because there's a measure of respect that goes into him. He looks at Jesus, and he says, man, Jesus is a good teacher. He's incredible. He comes, he comes in front of him. He kneels down. He's giving him honor, and he's saying, I want to be alive in the afterlife. So this is not a small question. This is a question of eternal significance in this guy's life. And he comes up and he says, good teacher. Man, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to be a part of this? So he's kneeling in front of Jesus. He's giving him respect. And so then he says this, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? He's He's pointing at something, and he's saying, why, why are you calling me good? Jesus isn't questioning his own goodness, but he's, he's saying, do you really know who I am? Do you really know who I am? And he says, no one is good except God alone. There's no one who does good except God alone. And Jesus is God, so obviously Jesus fits that. And so what happens next is this. He says, uh, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Stop right there. So Jesus says, he says, this is what it means to be good to perfectly keep these commandments. And so what he does is he, he basically recites what's called the second part 
of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. He recites all of the Ten Commandments that have to do with your relationship with other people. All of these relational elements, except he holds one of them back. He holds one back. Look at what he says. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father, father and mother. So Jesus says, all of these things, I'm, th- these, are, these are the Ten Commandments. Like, you'd have to be perfect in these things. And so this is what takes place. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I've been perfect. I've been really good. I've been really paying attention to these things. I haven't done any of them. I don't know that any of us could say that. I don't know that we could. But sometimes we try to. Sometimes we try to say, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I've done, I've done more good than bad. But this guy is not saying that. He's saying, no, I've kept these things perfectly from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, hang on a second. Do you see what Jesus just did there? Jesus, the son of God, he shows us what God is like. And he looks at us in the midst of where we are, no matter where you are, no matter whether you think you kept all the rules or whether you know that you've broken them. Jesus looks at him, he looks at you, and he loves you. Jesus is not looking at this guy and just saying, what a punk. No, he looks at him and he loves him. He truly sees him for who he is. He loves this guy right where he's at. Right in the midst of, of, of his pride and thinking that he has this all figured out. Right in the midst of what's happening in his life. Because Jesus is going to mention something in just a moment that's, that's going to kind of destroy him. But what Jesus is doing is he, he's looking at him and he's loving him. And the question is this, is that when you, when you think about Jesus, do you think about him looking at you and loving you? looking at you and caring about you, looking at you and truly seeing you for who you are and yet still loving you. Jesus is the only one who can look at you that way and truly love you. He looks at him, he loves him, and he says to him, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. See, Jesus mentioned all of these other commandments from the second part of the Ten Commandments that have to deal with relationship. And he said, you're lacking just one of them. He didn't mention the the very thing that this guy struggles with. Do not covet. Desiring someone else's stuff, wanting something more as an over-desire. It's like this is the most important thing to me. This is the deal. He says, you lack one thing. And what's he lack? The willingness to let go 
of the precious in order to take hold of the invaluable. The willingness to let go of what is precious to him in order to take hold of what is invaluable. And this is what we see here in verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then it says this, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? All right, Jesus, if that's the case with that guy, and no doubt this is what they're saying. They're saying, hey, I, I, see, what you, I see what you did there. I see what's happening. Like, you found the one thing that this guy is not willing to give up. And guess what? In my heart, in my life, there's things that I have not necessarily been willing to give up. Like, who can be saved if this is what has to happen? And Jesus looks at them and says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. What's he saying? He's saying, in order for you to de desire the things of God, in order for you to de desire what God really has for you, the invaluable, in order to let go of the precious, and in order to take hold of the invaluable, it takes a work of God in your life. It takes God changing your heart. And this is what many people don't understand about what it means to be a Christian. They say, I'm not willing to give these things up. I'm not willing to walk away from this or walk away from that. I'm not willing, I'm not willing, I'm not willing. But here's the thing. <clears throat> yes, there's a willingness that, that comes, but it comes through God working the impossible in your life. What that means for the person who's a Christian who's, who has let go of the precious and taken hold of the invaluable, that is Jesus, their relationship with God and coming to God. Those people, what has happened in their life to cause them to become a Christian was the impossible that was done by God. What, what happened in their life is that they had to let go of things a disposition in their life that says, I have to have these things and I, and I don't care about God. They had to let go of those things and they had to take hold of God. What took place was the impossible and it happened through God. And so Christian people, here's what you must hear. You're not a Christian because somehow you were better than anybody else. And you're not, you're not a Christian. You're not a moral person because somehow you, you are better than all of those sinners in our secular world. No, you're a Christian because God made possible the impossible. God is the one who has called you to himself. God is the one who is making something new in your life. What this also means is for the person who doesn't believe it says it's an impossibility. You have to understand that it only comes through the supernatural working of God in your life. It only comes because God is going to do the impossible 
in your world if you're going to come to him. And Peter began to say to him, verse 28, see, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. What Peter just said is, he said, God, we, we've left everything. If you've read in the Gospels at all, which, what you saw is this, is that Jesus basically walks up to someone and says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, all right. <laughs> drop, drop their nets and walk away. Drop their stuff and just go, oh yeah, that's, that's Jesus. I'm going to drop my stuff and I'm, and I'm going to walk away. And Jesus says this, that if you're going to come to me, if you're going to walk with me, there's going to be some things that you have to drop. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to forego. You're going to have to let go of some things. However, the problem is this, is that many of us are not willing to let go of what we hold as precious in order to get what's invaluable. And in fact, the thing that we don't get is that when you get Jesus, you get everything else. You get eternal life. Yes, in this world, it comes with persecution. What does that mean? It means this. If you are going to hold your house and your family and your, your, uh, your, your children, your wife, your, your husband, uh, your, your land, uh, your job, everything in your life, if you're going to hold it the way that God wants you to hold it, what happens is this, is that our world pushes back and you get persecution. You get persecution. Not all the time. I think we overuse that word. I don't think we're persecuted the way that they're being persecuted in Iraq right now. I, I think we could all agree with that. This is not persecution. But there's pushback. And Jesus says, if you're going to walk with me, yes, I'm going to give you the stuff that you need. But it's going to come with some discomfort. But what happens after that is eternal life. What happens after that is eternal life. And so let me ask you this, church. As we know, we know that the gospel comes to us and though we are willing, sometimes the flesh is weak and there's things that we're not letting go of. What is the precious that you're unwilling to let go of in order to take hold of the invaluable, which is Jesus? What is the precious, what are the precious things that you can't let go of? I want to tell you that God has done some amazing things in our church. But I, I want you to know that I want more. And I hope that you want more. I want more for our church. Here's what I want more of. Here's what I believe that you should want more of, is that when someone makes a decision and says, I want to follow Jesus, or I want to investigate God, what I want more of are people who say, I have the time to do that. 
I'm going to let go of the precious in order to take hold of the invaluable and to enable someone else to take hold of the invaluable. If we're going to be people who are seeing people become disciples and walking with him for a lifetime, who are divvying out grace in their community, and who are in the school district or in some job or in some place in life, and they're bringing the grace of Jesus, not the condemnation that our world seems to think comes with Christianity, but they're divvying out grace, and people are looking at that person, and they're saying, I cannot believe that this guy's a Christian or that this girl is a Christian because they are so gracious, and the only thing that I've ever known or the caricature that I've made or the media has made or somebody's made about Christians is that they are mean, they're nasty, they're Westboro Baptist Church. No, this person is not that way. They're grace, they're mercy, they bring healing, and the way that they talk about Jesus is amazing. Do you know what that takes? It takes a disciple who's a true disciple and who is willing to disciple someone else who has let go of the precious in order to take hold of the invaluable that is Jesus. And I want to tell you that we've got room to grow in this. We've got room. Yes, we've done amazing things, but do you know what the next stage is? The next stage is this, is letting go of the wealth that you have. It's the wealth of time that you have and that I have that is spent in hours of mindless entertainment. Mindless entertainment. What's, what's our big problem here in this generation? It is, it is that we have oodles of time. We have applications on our phone that take processes and reduce them from hours into seconds. We have everything at our fingertips, and yet with all of the time that was saved through technology, we don't have any. What's that going to take? What's that going to, it's letting go of something that's precious. It's my time. It's letting go of those things and it's saying, Jesus is invaluable in these things. It's letting go of what's precious and that is how I feel when I come to church. It's letting go of, of the things that we say are like, like the, you know, I want this from a church, and the, I really need these kinds of programs, and it's coming to the church, it's coming to God as a Christian. I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't know Jesus who needs to grow. I'm talking about somebody who's a Christian who should not still be drinking milk, but somebody who's eating steak and giving out milk. They're feeding other people. That's, these types of people are people who are not consumers, who are just feeding themselves and looking to be fed, but they are people who've been in the faith a while. They're, they're doing what is necessary in order to know the word. They're not looking to their pastor or to the people on staff and saying, you do the work of ministry. I'll sit back and watch and criticize. They're saying, no, I'm going to engage and what's it take? It takes letting go of the precious, which is my time. 
It's letting go of one more business deal or one more sale so that I can leave on time, so that I can be at the meeting, so that I can be a part of this. It's letting go of my Saturday sometimes and saying, I'm not going to make my family the idol. I'm not going to make the church my idol either, but I am going to be somebody who is taking hold of the invaluable that's Jesus and saying, I have the time to be a part of this. And so what are we looking for here at Outward Church? This year is the year of creating advocates, real advocates. What, what is an advocate? What are we talking about? We're talking about somebody who is giving, growing, serving. And with each one of those things, it's saying I'm going to let go of what's precious to me. I'm going to give. It does mean it means financial. We're talking to Christians. We're not talking to non-Christians. We're not here to bilk anybody out of anything. We want you to keep your money. Come and receive. But if you're here and you're a part of the family, we're inviting you to give generously, sacrificially, to be a part of what God has, to enable the work of the ministry. Yes, there's been incredible generosity. Yes, God has something more for us. We're not finished. We're not home yet. It's giving, it's growing, it's committing yourself to growing as a believer. What does it take to grow? It takes somebody who says, I am willing to be taught. I don't have everything up here. I know I've been a Christian for a long time, which oftentimes means that you need to unlearn some things. <laughs> it means that the Left Behind series does not define what's going to happen in the end of days. Shock and awe just came over many of you, right? It means, I'm going to get shot here, that Donald Trump is not our savior. <gasps> oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. And neither was Barack Obama, and Hillary wasn't either. It means that Jesus is everything. It means I'm going to commit myself to growing by saying, how do I make Jesus my ultimate aim and not politics, not money, not my job, not my family, not all of those things. But when I make Jesus my aim and I'm growing in him, it means this, I am going to treat my family with respect. My kids are going to feel loved more than they've ever felt before because they're not my idol. It means I'm going to, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him. It means I'm going to serve. Now, why do we need you to serve, and why should you serve in our community? Because there are kids at Richmond Elementary who, after school, is when they come home, and they come home to an empty house because mom and dad are working, or they come home to a not-so-great environment, or something's going on that's causing behavior. And do you know what, do you know, when you stand in the gap, when you say, I'm going to be somebody who's going to put off the precious in order to take hold of the invaluable, do you know what happens? You get to go sit in, in, in a kid's life who, as he goes on, he will get engrossed in gang culture. He will become involved in whatever his heart decides or whatever his siblings have put before him. But no, you get to go be a stand-in parent for a child, not just to convert him, and yes, we want him to be converted, but simply so that his life is better, our community is better, 
Do you know what Jesus does for us? He not only changes us, but he changes our community. How does he do it? Because we go into the community. And we bring the peace of Jesus Christ and we say, because Jesus went to the cross for me, I can sacrifice for him. I can die to myself. I can die to the things that I want to do. I can say, I'm no longer going to make my time and my efforts the ultimate aim of everything that's going on. But now I am going to say that the invaluable is Jesus. And I want to give up what I hold as precious. What's the one thing in your life right now, in, your, in this stage of life? What's the one thing that you have that you won't let go of? Because I want to tell you that that's what God has for us next. That's where I believe God is leading us. So what happens? What's going to happen this year? I believe that God has big plans for us. Our future is bright. God has amazing things in store. What does that look like? More people being served at Richmond Elementary, Highland Elementary, Bush Elementary. What has to happen first? We have to give up the precious in order to take hold of the invaluable. Walking with Jesus means giving something up. Will you join us in that? Will you be a part of this? That's the question. And so over the next, uh, between next week and then throughout the year, we want to give you avenues to be able to give, grow, and serve. Give, grow, and serve. So that God, uh, so that we can be a place that God is willing and able to do amazing things. He's able to do it anyway, but we want to make sure that that is wide open. That door is wide open for God to do amazing things in our city. Will you pray with me? And while I'm praying, can I invite the, uh, the baptismalese? That's not a word, but uh, if you are being baptized today, would you come forward right here? And I just want to ask you to come up on stage here with me. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you so much for what your word has to say to us. Lord, we thank you so much that you uh, are, are, are incredible. And God, we thank you that you are worthy of our, our praise and our worship. And God, I'm praying that for those of us in here today that have given our lives to you, Lord, I'm praying that we would let go of some of those things that we've been hanging on to. And Lord, that we would take hold of what you have for us, which is a relationship with you that is absolutely incredible. And so, Lord, we, we ask you for this. We pray for an incredible year together as, as your church. And, Lord, we, we pray that you would do amazing things in our midst. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.